Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. So when Kimberly was talking about that five-word sermon, I swear she looked right at me. He's like, this guy, five words, people repented. Well, listen, I'm, I'm a thousand times the preacher Jonah is, so I'm going to use that many more words. No, I'm kidding. Uh, wow, what a challenge. I've, got, I've already used my five words. and uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. I feel, I'm like, what do I do now, you know? Um, oh, great job. Great job. Um, so let's start out um, again um, just praying where you are. Um, uh, and the reason why, if you're not familiar with this uh, practice that we do, uh, is that uh, it, there's a, pl- a time and a place for us to have like kind of out loud corporate prayer and all that. Uh, but um, when we're here and we're opening the word of God and we're really being challenged by God, uh, we want him to speak to us. All right. And there's a lot of stuff going inside Every single one of you here, every single one of us, there's something. You might have had the greatest week. You might have had the worst week. It might have just been normal. There's different things. You're thinking different about God even. You may, you may be going through something and you're going, I don't know. I got an issue with God right now, okay? We want to take some time to, to, to pray on our own privately um, to just get on the same page. We want to hear his words. Right? We don't want to just consume just some message. So take a minute or two to pray, and then we'll continue with the message. Father, I pray that um, uh, we ask for soft hearts, God. Um, we, we want to hear your word and obey it. Help us to unlearn the, the stuff that isn't real, God. Help us to not listen to the voice of Satan or Uh, our own just thoughts or feelings, but I pray, Father, we get just laser focused on your word, Father, that uh, we need courage, though. Um, It's it's scary sometimes. You ask us to do things, and it's initially scary. I pray that you help us to remember you are loving and pure and awesome, and you love us more than we can even imagine. And uh, so, Father, we do ask for courage uh, to live out your word, to love just like you loved even when it's hard. Father, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, So uh, you can open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. We're digging through this. Our, um, whoops, Uh, I'm messing around with the uh, PowerPoint. I don't even know how that worked that way. But uh, we are in the book of Hebrews. Um, It's just very... uh, Here's one of the things about it is I don't know what your relationship is with the Word of God, with your Bible, whether it's in, on your phone right now or it's like a paper Bible, the way Jesus intended it to be, okay? Um, but your relationship with the Word of God, okay, is, is it may be, you may be completely overwhelmed. Like every time you open the Bible, you're going, I don't get this. Like 
How do people like understand all of these things? Or you may be somebody that you think, man, you love it. You love the message. You love the themes. You love following these books and, and hearing what God has to say. And so one of the things that hopefully we continue to build on is reading the Bible on our own and reading our Bible together in a way that's healthy and responsible as well. Okay? And one of the ways that we do that is we've got to remember that um, what was written in the Bible was written to a specific group of people. Okay, that's really, really important because we've got to get an idea of what did they hear, all right? When they, when they first read this way back in the first century, did they hear things like we do here in Clemson, South Carolina in the year 2019, all right? Probably not, all right? Remember all of the things, if you just think of 2,000 years of, of history, of science, of innovation, of technology, of culture, not only that, but we're a completely different style of culture, than they were. We're a westernized culture. They're an eastern culture. And so it takes a little work to go, okay, what did they hear? Because then we can decide and we can go, okay, now what does that mean to us today to handle it responsibly? Because we don't want to just make something up. We don't read the Bible and go, oh, you know what this meant? And this means that, and that means that, and just kind of shooting from the hip. We want to like really dig in deeply here. So if you're not super familiar with this book of Hebrews, it's written to these uh, folks who were Jews that became Christians, okay? And in particular, this was a group of folks who were discouraged. Remember we talked about this? They were discouraged, they were immature, and they were persecuted, okay? We probably know what it feels like to be discouraged, okay? Like you know, for them, they felt like, did we make the wrong choice becoming a Christian? Because now we became Christians and now people are like fighting against us and some of our people are being put in jail and some people are being killed and all this. And so they're doubting, they're discouraged, they're not sure if they did the right thing. But on top of that, what's lumped on top of that is this immaturity. Okay, and we see that throughout the book of Hebrews, this immaturity uh, where he continually, well, not continually, but a fair number of times he tells them like, listen, guys, it's time to grow up. Okay. I think we can understand that. I think here's the deal is, is it's a, probably a pretty good, um, I, as just a, a nation, like our Bible knowledge isn't on the rise, I wouldn't say. Okay. I think that's a safe thing to say okay, without like isolating things and all that kind of stuff. I, I think we can understand that and go, man, if I'm discouraged and I'm immature spiritually at the same time, that's a rotten combina- combination right there, here, uh, of that. And so... Um, and so, anyway, we're digging through this, and we're trying to figure out how do we live by faith? Okay, how do we live by faith? That's our entire theme for the whole year, is how do we do that? Not how do I make like one huge, scary decision and call that faith, but how do we make decisions through our lives that are faithful decisions? How do we live in a way that that's like the fabric of our life, is, is we're, we're operating in a way that we're thinking about, oh, okay, well, Jesus is our king. How do I honor him faithfully with my loyalty and my allegiance? How do I make decisions that way? And so as we dig through this, we're going to get in right here to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16. We're going to jump right in and start reading this. Um, Hebrews 6. Um, I'm sorry, we're going to start in verse 13, not 16. Hebrews 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. Okay, we're going to stop a little bit here because you got to follow this. He said he did something already. He said, you remember when God 
promised something to Abraham, okay? And it's, it's meant, and this is what the cool thing about the Bible, it's meant to kind of like spark our curiosity to go, when did he do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I remember, oh, way long time ago, God made a promise to Abraham, okay? And he says, here is the deal. God was like, who do I swear by, right? You know, I mean, sometimes we do that, like, I really want you to believe in me. S- swear on my mother's grave. Swear, you know, so, you know, it's just like, for some reason, we have this thing of, let me show you how, like, honest I'm being here. I swear by this, and God is going, I swear by, well, me. I <laughs> you know, there's no one greater, all right? God is like, I can't swear by anybody greater. This is how honest I'm trying to be here. And he, tell, he told Abraham here in verse 14, I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise. He guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, safe and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We've heard that name a couple times for a few weeks, Melchizedek right there. I hope you've gone and looked that up. Is We're not going to spend a whole lot of time. Melchizedek's a pretty fascinating fella. Okay, We may talk about it uh, maybe on a Wednesday or something like that. But if you're going, who is this guy? It's not hard. It's not hard to figure out who this is. Um, but this is an amazing section of Scripture. This writing here, the more I read the Bible, the more enamored I am at the writing just the richness, right? I mean, when you think of some of these words, just in this little section here, we're talking about this unchanging nature of God, that he wants to make something very clear, that he wants us to seize something, that there's something firm and secure, that there's something impossible. I mean, it's just this, this teaching about God. And you're going, wow, this is some really rich writing. Like this, this should allow us and cause us to like slow down and go word to word and go, what is he saying right here? Okay. Because there's some really neat things that he talks about. Okay. But you know what happens sometimes? Even the, the greatest things we see written, sometimes we miss the point of why they're written. Okay. And so here, yeah, hopefully when you study and you read your Bible, um, stop every once in a while and retell the story. Okay. That's always a good thing. That kind of helps us kind of learn to... Um, be able to communicate, uh, learn to be able, am I understanding, am I comprehending what I'm reading? What am I actually reading here? All right. And so you have this idea of, man, here you go. God says, I'm, I, I promised Abraham something and I kept that promise. Okay. How long did it take? Do you remember? A day, a week, decades, right? That, it took a long time. And so here's what's great. This is a nice little takeaway for us because, again, in our impatience and our kind of lack of being able to stay focused, right, is we're oftentimes like, I'll pray for something for a day or two. And if it doesn't happen, we talk more about God not answering prayers, right? When people write books about it, when God doesn't answer your prayers, and I'm thinking, I've never met somebody. Well, I haven't. I'm not saying they don't exist, okay? I'm just saying, I haven't met somebody that's like, yeah, 
you know what? I've been praying for this one thing for 20 years, and it's, I'm going to keep on going, okay? Like daily, like constantly. Like I'm not, I know it. He said it. He's faithful. He's going to, he's going to fulfill his promise, okay? And so there's some encouragement for us to take here to go, oh, God made a promise, and he kept it, okay? Um, and then he went on there. And it said this. This is incredible, right? Um, I won't ask you to raise your hand because we all would do it. If you, have you ever lied? The most honest person in here, you've told a lie at some point, okay? I'm just saying. So hopefully you're not offended and you're going, oh, man, I can't believe he's judging me now. I'm just saying. If you've lived on this earth past kindergarten, you know, you've told a lie at some point, okay? But isn't this great? It says that God... You know, when, when, when people say God can do everything, really? Because it says here he can't lie. That's a good thing right there. And God can't change what he's about. Okay, this is this whole story here, and, he's, and, the, and the writer of Hebrews is telling us this really great, encouraging, because remember last week we read a really hard section, kind of a warning and then this week, we're coming back, and he's this amazing encouragement, right? He's going, hey, you remember? And he's telling people this story, a, a Jewish people, that Abraham's not just some guy from VeggieTales. If you're watching VeggieTales, stop. <laughs> okay? <laughs> stop, Riley, okay? <laughs> but uh, he's not just that guy. Abraham meant the world. To the Jews, it's like, oh, yeah, you remember that? We remember that. Like, you'd be, oh, yeah, he did. God did make a promise, and he did fulfill it. Why are we being discouraged? He did do this. And, man, we have to remember about God and about who he is. And, and, and it's so interesting because uh, he said that God wanted to show, in verse 17, his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to us. Okay? Wow. Here's the interesting thing about this, his unchangeable purpose it's easy to get kind of like stuck on certain words, you know, unchangeable purpose. What is that? Okay. That's a resolved plan. That's what that means. Okay. That's what in the original language they would have heard. God's resolved plan wasn't going to change. Okay. And, and you go, well, what, what was his plan? He didn't really tell us what well, he did tell us in Hebrews 4. He already told us what his plan was. He already said what his ultimate goal was in Hebrews chapter 4 in verse uh, 11. It says, let us make every, enter to, every effort to enter his rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Okay? And you're going, well, Keith, hold on. That doesn't sound like it. Okay, again, let's listen like a Jew a little bit here. Uh, enter his rest. Well, what did that mean? Well, enter his Sabbath. Okay, that meant that God is somewhere. God is in his Sabbath. God is in his rest. And so what it meant to enter his rest was to go where he was, okay? To go be with him, like actually to abide in him, make your home in him, okay? And so what was his purpose? Is that everyone would do that, that every single person, that's his resolved plan, all right? And so he says that's unchanging. It doesn't matter if it's the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or a new millennium. It doesn't matter. It's unchangeable. Okay, and so that's nice for us, isn't it? Because we don't have to guess, like, what's God all about these days? Like, what does God really want? What does God, and sometimes we put things on God, like what God wants is this and that and all these things. No, it's been unchanging from the beginning. He wants every human being to enter his rest, to be with him, all right? And Paul even writes to Timothy, 
And he says it even a little bit clearer. He says, God wants everyone to be saved. All right. His unchanging, his resolved plan. And in that plan, keep in mind, his plan was my son will go down and offer himself as a sacrifice and rise again. Okay. That's unchangeable. Okay. It's so here's the easy part for us digging out of the Bible. It's still the same today. Okay, you can know that. You, you, could, you can think right now, okay, God's purpose is the exact same today for everybody, myself, for everyone sitting around me, for everyone in my neighborhood, my work, everything. Okay, it's unchangeable, all right? And he said, here's the cool thing is, he said that God wanted to communicate it even more clearly to us. Okay, isn't that great? If Jesus were to walk in and said, here's the deal, I want to be so clear with you about this, okay? Wouldn't it just be amazing? Because unfortunately, you want to know what? And we're going to read this in a second. I think we give up too early on Jesus. Right. We just give up on him a little bit too early. And he's going, no, 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 listen, you don't understand all that I'm giving you. I'm going to clear things up here. And sometimes we become our own worst enemy, yeah. right? And so anyway, um, he goes on from there and he says this really cool thing. He guaranteed it by an oath. Uh, this, this promise he guaranteed so that through two unchangeable things, uh, there's two things that can't change, right? There's this idea of his oath, his promise, and his purpose. Can't change. Two unchangeable things here. He says, by those two things, which is impossible to, uh, uh, for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us, right? So here's the thing that we have to remember. All of that is great. It should be encouraging. I hope, I hope you allow yourself to be encouraged. Sometimes we just don't. Again, it's just like, I'm not going to be encouraged. There's no way. I'm not going to feel better about myself. I'm not going to feel, Keith, you don't understand. You don't understand the real world. I'm, not, I'm too bad. You don't get it. And all that kind of stuff. I'm like, at some point, you're going to have to allow yourself to be encouraged. Okay? But here's the deal. He said all of these great things, okay, these amazing things that God can't lie and God has this purpose and it doesn't change. He's not going to be confusing. He wants to be clear for you. And then there's these two words right at the beginning, so that. All right, this is, this is where we've got to lock in here, okay? Well, why did he do all those things? Was it just because he wanted to have like a really great church service on Sunday and he wanted to have really neat, you know, new signs out in front of the kids' kingdom and all that kind of stuff? No, 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 no. He said, so, thank you. <laughs> so that... We who have fled for refuge. Now, here's, this is where it gets sticky here. This is, this is where it's going to get sticky for me and you. Um, man, uh, right here, and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying, I know our culture, okay? I, I don't know about South America. I don't know about China. I don't know about that. I know our culture, okay? And I've been a disciple for quite a while, and here's what it seems to me. I rarely see people fleeing to God for refuge. Here's what I mean. Churches are full of make a decision, then you can be saved. Okay. Except there's a lot of us making decisions, and we don't think we have to be saved. There's, why do I need a refuge? Flee to a refuge? I just don't want to go to hell. All right? That's very different. He's talking about disciples here are people who flee to God for refuge is my life isn't working, my right decisions aren't working, my bad decisions are worse, I can't make it. Certainly I don't want to be in hell, but I want to be with God more, yeah. all right? And so this is really important because you may have to put a pin in this right here. And don't be scared, please don't be scared to challenge yourself 
And I go, you know what? I've never fled for refuge. Like, I just did what everybody else is doing in teen group, or I just did what everybody else is doing. Oh, man, you walked the aisle, and you said a prayer, and you did all these things. And going, that's not fleeing for refuge. All right? That's, that's I want to be my own Lord, and I'm going to do it my way, and I want to never feel guilty about how I'm living. Okay? That's not discipleship. Okay? We have to be very clear. So this writer said, this is for those who have fled for refuge, that they may have not just encouragement, strong encouragement, okay? It's not just a little bit of courage, a lot of courage to seize the hope set before us, all right? That, that's a word, I love that word, to seize the hope set before you, all right? What are you, you got to think about that is, am I seizing anything, right? Am I, is there anything in my life that I'm seizing, I'm taking hold of, all right? And that's really what this word means. And then hopefully you kind of ask yourself a question, what on earth does hope even mean? Seize the hope. That, hold on a minute. He's talking about disciples. This is all written. All of this encouragement is written so people who are fleeing for refuge will be strongly encouraged to seize this hope set before us. So he's going to set right here. It's right here. All right. Now seize it. Okay. And I'm giving you all the encouragement in the world. I God has got to be telling us I can't give you any more. Like, this is everything. I've given you the history of the world right here. The gospel in a nutshell, all right? And he says this, but he goes on in verse 19 and describes this. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, or some versions say lives, safe and secure. So again, it's that really great, hopefully you get drawn into that, all right? It's going, okay, God is saying this hope, he's going to describe it like a thing, He's going to describe this thing, and he's going to say, this hope that I want you to seize. Right? Okay, it's like this anchor. Right? And it says anchor, and, and this is what's awesome. He says anchor for your soul. It's an anchor for your life. When everything's happening, if you're on a boat or a ship, and we're not going to go and talk for 30 minutes about anchors, you know what an anchor does. Okay? Uh, you do a lot of history on an anchor. That doesn't change his verse. Okay? They knew. An anchor that's locked in, okay, the seas can be like roaring, okay? Like stuff can be going on. The world can be happening and you're going, we're safe. Amen. We're secure. It's all good, but it doesn't feel all good, but it's good, okay? Now certainly, listen, every illustration ends at some point, okay? So if in your notes you're going, well, he doesn't realize that it can break sometimes and all that. No, no, no. Understand, the writer's point isn't to be a maritime historian, okay? The writer's point is going, no, no, you know a good anchor when it's set, okay? And the, these guys apparently must have had some kind of connection with that, all right? He says, that's what this hope is like, and it's kind of like, like drawing us in. This hope, this thing I'm going to describe, is like that where your soul is secure, like where you feel like no matter what happens, you're good. It's going to be okay. But then he shifts, okay? He says it's like an anchor for the soul, safe and secure. And then he says this, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. You go, hold on, the anchor entered the inner sanctuary? That you're thinking you're picturing like little cartoon anchor going, oh, now I can go. No, no, no. He's, again, describing this anchor. And remember what we talked about? The only one that could go behind there, the only one that could go to that inner room was the one that was going to go between us and God. Okay, that's the only one. He said that anchor, he personalizes that anchor. He personalizes that. And he goes, no, no, it's not just an inanimate object. It actually went 
and interceded. It actually went behind that curtain, all right? And, and again, it's one of those things we talked about. One of the neatest things about the writing in the Bible is it calls us to discover. Okay, it doesn't just give us the answers like we like. Okay, like, hey, give me four points and describe exactly. Don't use anchor. Don't use soul. Don't use any of those. Just give me the written. Anna. He says, I'm going to allow you to discover this. And can you imagine you're sitting there going, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking. The anchor. Oh, my goodness. You mean the hope? That safe and secure, he wants us to seize, was the one who went into, right? There's this idea of just the excitement of discovery and going, man, there's something about discovery that makes us a little bit like hopeful, like you figured it out, you got it. You're sitting there and you're going, oh my goodness, he actually did this and he entered there. Jesus did because he's become a high priest. Um, And so all of that stuff, listen. I would encourage you, read it over and over, study it, dig into it. Um, This is a word, though, that I think will challenge me and you. Here's why. We've been talking, but he talks about this right here, obviously. He's talking about seizing this hope. That's not super practical. Right? (laughs) You're kind of like, man, can you help me out a little bit more? Um, But it's also interesting that we're reading something right here that will unlock our favorite chapter in the book of Hebrews. I don't know if it's your favorite chapter, but it's most people's. Hebrews 11. Because, hold on, by faith, by faith, Abraham did this, and by faith, Moses did that. And if you haven't read it, go read it. It's all these amazing things that people said, by faith, they did these things. And do you remember right at the beginning of Hebrews 11.1? It gives us a definition of faith, the certainty of what we hope for. Faith is the certainty. And so, again, it's like this puzzle. We're piecing it together. It's not simple, but we're piecing it together. I'm going, hold on a minute. So faith and hope, they're fairly, they're kind of like right there together, right? And here's the deal. Hope is this, is confidently anticipating what is coming so that we can boldly live faithfully today. Okay, so when, when you think of faith, hope has to be right there. Okay. Hope is that thing of going confident, and that's, that's that word. Hope, actually the word is confident anticipation, expectation, okay? Well, of what? Well, God promised Jesus is coming back. We will be with him forever. I'm confident of that. I'm anticipating that. I'm expecting that. And that very piece of the puzzle is meant to allow us to go, you know what I can do right now? Make faithful decisions. Why? Because I have hope. Right? Those two go hand in hand. So faithful decision isn't just like trying to do hard things. It's based on actual proof of God. It's this, this hope, this anticipation. So here's the thing. If you're taking notes, you've got you to ask yourself some questions down in your... Is, is, is that hope active in your life? Because here's what I found that was really, really embarrassing when I was studying this out. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like a new thing for me. I haven't thought. Now, the concept isn't new, but this idea of I'm thinking, wow, this has to be trained into my heart every single day. This is one of those things where I'm going, how come I don't think about this more? Because I don't train it into my heart. Uh, this, isn't a, this isn't a vital part of my faith. This isn't something I remind myself of when I'm thinking of making faithful decisions. I don't start. By going, hold on a minute, here's the starting point, is hope, okay? If you have that, if one day 
God is coming back. If that's true and you're anticipating it and you're expecting it and you're hopeful about it, then I can make this decision right now. Okay, and so that's the thing, having them go hand in hand right here. And I've loved this because I'm looking at it going, oh, my goodness, this is like, you know, I don't know if I'm just like reading it like fresher. Well, I don't know. But anyway, but here's the, here's the tough part, I want, and I want you to consider this. This is fantastic information. It's really great. You could go and like you could memorize this stuff, and you would really Sound pretty cool, probably, talking to other religious folks, you know. You could go places and go, well, hey, did you know this? And did you know that? And do you know anchors? And, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's awesome. And going, but here's the deal is, is our competition isn't to have more information. Like, that doesn't make me saved, okay? There's lots of people that have lots of Bible inf- information that Jesus is not their Lord, all right? So just having information, and you know what, sometimes... Boy, this will deflate you. You'll be just bored as can be over time because if you equate discipleship with gaining more information, what we're doing becomes aimless and boring. Okay, everything about it because there's no purpose. Like, what is it? Just gaining more information. And a lot of the campus students, you're going, I gain enough information during the week. Why would I spend any time getting more information? It doesn't matter, okay? And this is really... Um, what we want here um, is this isn't a simple thing, but it's a, a reminder. Let me take information, but let me remember the goal is that we are transformed, that, that me and you are actually different, okay? That's the, that's the thing is, is what the world requires from the church is that we don't just talk about information, but we actually can give like our own story of transformation, okay? So if you were angry, you should be able to give a story of how you've grown from that, you've matured from that. Amen. It's different, substantially different, not just a behavioral change. If you're sexually immoral, you should be able to say, here, look, this is where I went. This is how Jesus helped me, All right? This is an actual change in me. The world needs that from us, okay? And so take that as your own specific challenges you got to think you're leading the ministry wherever you go okay that's you okay so when you're in your cubicle or in your school and you're going okay this is why it's so important for us to be asking ourselves am i living in a way that if jesus were to inhabit my body he would live the same way and how i'm interacting it's and really you're like oh man this is kind of tough no no it's like living your life but you're just swapping out you being in charge for him being in charge, okay? And you're going, hold on a minute, what would he do right here? And that's going to take some courage, right? And that's going to take some thought. It's not, it's, really, it's not just going to happen naturally. And so here's the deal is, is, is strive for this. Let's help one another. Remember we talked about this is not a, what we're doing here is not an individual sport, okay? There's it, the reality, listen, Christianity is not about a personal thing, unless it's Jesus, then it's personal. But for us, we need each other. You can look around and go, I need everyone. We all need one another because we can't get through this. There's nobody smart enough or, or you know, strong enough or, or determined enough or any of these things. Um, so that's what we're shooting for. And here's kind of like the neon sign in this section for me. 
was this, seize the hope. Like, here's the thing. Here's some really great information. Here's some really cool, you know, symbolic illustration here. And right in there, there's this blinking thing. God's saying, I want to give you great encouragement to seize this hope. I want to give you great encouragement. So that's one of the things to keep in mind, because if we forget who God is, um, it's going to be really, really a tough road. Okay? Remember the big picture of God in the Bible? God, God, we talked about God taking things from chaos to order, from captivity to freedom. Right? That God's plan is to, is to bring things with strife to peace. Like that's the, ultimately the big goal. That's what he's doing with you and that's what he's doing with me and that's what he's doing with us. He's saying, hey, there's probably chaos and there's probably some, some, j- just some folks that are all locked up and, they're, and, and I'm bringing them to freedom. And you got to understand, that's the big picture of God. He's going, no, no, I want you to have freedom and peace and order, not chaos in your life. And so this whole thing is written for that right here. And he's saying, so here's what I'm going to do. It, with all of that in mind, seize this hope. Well, hope, what are you talking about, this hope? Well, remember the hope, the hope that was safe and secure, the hope that went behind the, the curtain, the hope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this hope that is interceding for us, okay? But there's a couple of things I think we probably have to crucify, okay? Probably a couple of things right here. And, and I'll um, walk through this gently, <laughs> okay? Uh, and, and Patrick left. We were going to have a good conversation. But anyway, me and Pat were talking the other day because there was an article online about that laziness doesn't exist. And I said, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm a guinea pig for that, and it does exist, okay? I'm like, I am scientific proof it exists, okay? But here's the thing is, is the entirety of the article was written about this idea of, you know, this is all about people being judgmental and people not realizing all the things that are going on and all the, all the, all the reasons why we might be being lazy, Okay? And for sure, there are reasons at times, right? Sometimes there may even be somebody, they misunderstand you. It's not the end of the world. (laughs) It really isn't the end of the world. Okay, the goal of understanding this laziness isn't to get on everyone else. And I don't know if people are judgmental or not. All I know is I can be lazy, (laughs) okay? I can deflect all day about laziness or feeling like, did he really put that up there? Stop being lazy. You don't order me around. I'm just saying, I mean, this, I, I'm reading this to me, okay? This isn't preacher Keith, like, going, stop being late. I'm going, listen, for me to change, this has to be repented of, all right? So if you're offended by that and go, you know, he just orders it. No, 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 no. Listen, slow down. Are you lazy or not? Can you ever be lazy, all right? Is that anything that's ever, have you ever been lazy spiritually, okay? Just answer those questions, okay? But we got to stop, I'm telling you. We got to help each other to do this, okay, of stop being lazy. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's a couple times he uses this word. Um, over in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, he said, I want to teach y'all something, but you're too lazy. <laughs> That's what he said to them, okay? You're going, man, come on, dude, okay? And then he, he goes on just above uh, Hebrews 6. He says uh, in verse 12, he says that, uh, or verse 11, now we want each of you to demonstrate diligence for the final realization of your hope so that you won't become lazy but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance and you want to know what's really cool about that little word lazy is there's a really neat understanding behind it which is dull not sharp 
all right, is you become dull spiritually. You're just not sharp anymore. If you want a fun little verse that goes along with that, you can write this down, Ecclesiastes. You're going, whoa, where's that in the Bible, man? Ecclesiastes, all right, chapter 10, verse 11, I think. I did have it written down in here. 10.10, okay. And it talks about when the axe is dull, you have to work harder. (laughs) That's just a principle. You're going, that's in the Bible? It's in the Bible. In fact, right after it said, you know, like, wisdom is a good thing. Like, like everyone should know that. All right. But he's going, you're dull. You're like that dull axe. And when you're dull spiritually, you've got to work harder. Man, life is harder. And you get, it takes, it's harder to go through things because you're dull. Okay. Now, let me, this is what blew my mind. I'm going, hold on a minute. So Hebrews 5, he calls him lazy. Hebrews 6, he tells him not to be lazy. I'm going, hold up a minute. He's telling like, dude, you're dull, you're dull, you shouldn't be dull. But here's the deal. Here's the nugget right here. In chapter 4, he told us what was sharp. Do you remember that? In Hebrews 4, he said, I'm already going to tell you what's sharp, okay? If you want to become sharp, all right? Hebrews 4, chapter 12, he says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, all right? He says, I'm going to share with you what's sharp. If you want to be sharp, go to this right here, okay? Sharper than any double-edged sword. In fact, it penetrates as far as separating soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. It, it's beautiful how this writer like weaves this thing around. He's going, y- y'all are dull. But remember, we talked about what was sharp. If you want to seize the hope, man, we have got to dig into what's sharp. We have to be sharpened by what's sharp, okay? Because right up here, here's the interesting thing in Hebrews 5, Verse 14, this other kind of analogy to like Bible teaching. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. They've been trained by it. Like our, we've been trained to distinguish good and evil. Right? So here's the deal is, is man, uh, stop being lazy. <laughs> we got to dig into the word. We've got to dig into this sharp, sharp object we have right there and going, you know what? This thing can cut through stuff that nothing, there's no, you, you guys probably remember back in the 80s, that knife that the Japanese cook would cut through like uh, Ginsu knife, right? And he would cut through everything. He'd be like cans, plates, you know, gun barrels, you know, all of these things he would cut through and you're like, whoa, that's really sharp, okay? But here's the deal right here. He's going, this right here, this Bible in front of you, and this is where the laziness begins, okay? Here's what I'm not talking about. Don't, don't get all like, oh, he's talking about I watch too much Netflix. No, no, don't go off the, if you watch too much Netflix, just stop, okay? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying spiritually lazy, we neglect getting into our word. We're, we're dull because we're not in our Bible. We're dull because we don't sit down and say, hey, can you come and help me study my Bible? Like, I don't get with other people to talk about the Bible. I don't dig into my Bible. I don't let it sharpen me. I'm just dull, it's hard to understand what this guy's trying to teach because I'm dull. I'm lazy. I don't get up and read my Bible. I don't. Maybe you do get up and read your Bible. But you think, man, for me to have extra time in my Bible? Like, what do you think I am, the Pope or something? You know, like we think that's like the major leagues. Like you would have extra time. And I'm saying, listen, here's the deal is become enamored by this book. That's right. Really, it's amazing. You dig into it, 
It's discovery. It's drawing us in. It's teaching us truths. It's teaching us encouragement. We want encouragement. There's no better encouragement than in here, okay? If we want to be able to encourage one another, it teaches us how to do that in here, all right? That's what's so great. So that's just the thing. It's going, okay, if you're not lazy with your Bible, okay, just go, okay, I got you. It's on you. I don't know if you are or not, but I'm just saying the trend oftentimes is that we become more lazy. We become dull, okay? And then this thing right here, here's, listen, there's, when you're in college, you take lots of risks. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a risk teaching my son how to drive. Okay, there's a lot of risk we take, okay? There are a lot of things like, I don't know if this is going to be good, but I'm going to take a shot at it, okay? There, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you telling your parents, the preacher today said, take a risk, so can you please give me that money for skydiving lessons, okay? That's not what I'm talking about here, okay? But he, but he says this, okay? He says, I, listen, I'm giving you this hope so that you'll have great encouragement. To I'm, I'm giving you this, these unchangeable things so you can seize this hope, so you can have this great encouragement to go and seize this hope. Here's the interesting thing is, you know what? When you're insecure, when you're unsafe, right? When you're, when you're just kind of nervous and all that kind of stuff, you know what we don't do? We don't take risks, all right? And that can happen in church. We stop taking godly risks, right? We stop trying to go, hold on a minute. What, what is that step? What is that step? He's saying, hey, come on and take a risk because you're secure, okay? That's the thing. That's the message we have to remind ourselves of. Hold on, I'm secure. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm seizing the hope. I'm in my world. I want to be sharp. I see Jesus. I want him. I'm seizing him. I'm bringing him close. I want to obey him. And he said, okay, now listen, you can take a risk now. You can take a risk. And that risk may be just in a conversation you have to have with somebody. It may be risky to have a conversation. Okay? It may be risky to leave a relationship. It may be risky to just, maybe you're scared to death to, like, uh, go and just uh, talk to people. And it's risky because you're going, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Here's, what, here's this message of Hebrews 6. God going, listen, you're safe. Okay, that we've got to remember that. You're safe. That, that's a message that you hear throughout that God is telling his people. You're safe. You're safe in me. You're safe in me, okay? And unfortunately, we have a world that's telling you you're not safe. And you want to know what? The world isn't safe, okay? The world doesn't want what's best for you. The world doesn't want those things. But here's the deal is, is when there's anxiety, when there's all that stuff, we've got to meditate on this and go, hold on, you know what? I'm safe because God can't lie. He can't lie. He can't tell me that there's a purpose he's giving me and then lie or say it's different. Okay, I'm safe. And you want to know what? That may take a long time to grow in. Remember we talked about Wednesday, the idea of we've got to have grace and truth and time to grow in that, okay? So we have to remind ourselves that in Christ we're safe. And that may take a little bit, but he's also saying you can take a risk. You can do that. You can come on out here. You can go in and talk. You can come and be something. You can, I don't know. I don't know what, you're, I don't know what he's calling you to do. All right, but I imagine in all of us there's this kind of spiritual fear to take the next step, okay, whatever that looks like. And this is what's really crazy because sometimes we forget about that. We forget to encourage one another. 
man, it's, it's risky. It was risky for me in college to tell my parents I was going to become a Christian. It was risky. It, it backfired, <laughs> okay? <laughs> they weren't happy, all right? It was risky, but here's the deal. The only way that I was able to do it was to go, hold on a minute, I'm safe, though. Like, I can. When I'm seizing this hope, this anchor, this anchor that's gone behind, when I'm seizing that, we're safe. No matter what, no matter what happens for these people, it was safety even from physical persecution. Like, you can take that risk, but I might get thrown in jail. It's okay. You're safe and secure. Okay. And so this is just, these are, oh, man, these are, uh, these are deep things. Me and you, we've got to dig into them. Like, we've got to pray through this. You could go on and on and on about this, okay? Here's what I'd love for you to do this week, though, is go and read Hebrews 11, and then come back and read. Hebrews 6, 13 through 20, right? And see that all these amazing things that they accomplished, all these things that they did by faith was fueled by hope. All of these things was the certainty of the hope, was this anchor for the soul. All of these things was going, man, we're going to seize this hope in front of us. Why? Because God can't lie. God's, God's purpose is unchanging. That's why. Go back and read that. Pray about it. Um, and... Um, And get help. That, that's, you know, I, every week when I preach, oftentimes I think what's the biggest hurdle for all of us is, is that the, the best thing I think in many ways we can do as we dig into the word is to sit down with somebody else and do it together. Okay. It just is so helpful to carve that time out and to have it. So I hope that you do it because it changes how we read the Bible.